Hi, it's Joe Lowry. Welcome to another edition of the Global Lithium Podcast. Today, I am providing an archive version. Uh, This will be episode 25, entitled Not Lost in Translation, where I interview Gang Fen founder and chairman Li Langbin and vice chairman Wang Shen. I've known both of these gentlemen for about two decades. I've done business with Gang Fen since 2002, in, in the early days when I was living in Asia and working with FMC. We both provided product to Gang Fen and bought product from Gang Fen, depending on the situation. We talk about Gang Fen's unique development strategy, being a poor um, company in a, in a very poor province of China, Back in the day, they didn't have the capital to secure their own resource. So they started their business in the downstream area and as they grew, worked back upstream. This is totally counter to the way other lithium companies have developed. But Mr. Lee had a vision. He talks about that vision and they explain uh, how they grew. Uh, we then discuss how they decided it was time to get into owning their own resources and anyone familiar with Gangfen knows in the past few years they have secured resources in multiple countries both Hard Rock and Brine and as a part owner of LAC also a, an interest in the world's largest sedimentary or soft rock asset Thacker Pass. We go through a story that I had never heard before of when Mr. Lee was visiting SQM in 2004 and he decided that he was going to offer SQM 25% of his company for free in exchange for a long-term raw material support. SQM actually turned him down and then just a few years later, not only SQM but the other two members of the big three, uh, what's now Abelmarle and what's now Livent, they all attempted to buy Gangfen, but as we will hear, Mr. Lee could not sell his quote-unquote baby and decided that he would just continue to grow that business uh, organically and the results uh, speak for themselves. We get into a little bit of Gangfen's vision of the future and their ecosystem. Gangfen participates now from the ground through lithium chemical production. They make batteries, they're into recycling. Uh, they're definitely very forward thinking in this space and have the broadest platform of any company that started off as a lithium producer. We're gonna talk a little bit about um, the, the belief they have that uh, ultimately the future of batteries is solid state. As the world's largest producer of lithium metal, Gangfen is uniquely positioned to benefit from a transition long-term to solid state batteries. Their belief is strong enough that they actually have a manufacturing facility for solid state batteries themselves so that they stay on top of the most recent developments in the area. We do the rapid fire questions towards the end. I think you're going to find 
If you already listened to this episode once, it's worth a re-listen. When we first released this episode in late 2018, there was a level of interest in Gangfen, but in the last year plus, the interest in Gangfen has really been heightened. Many people that that passed Gangfen off as as just a small regional company uh, just a few years ago are now joining the Gangfen bandwagon and realizing that uh, Gangfen is really going to be long-term a power or maybe the number one power in the lithium world. So I hope if you haven't listened to this, um, I'm glad to give you the opportunity. I know I have a lot of new listeners to the podcast. Um, so I think feel strongly that this is one of the best episodes that we ever did. And uh, I'm bringing it to you yet again. So if you listen to it before, I think you'll get more out of it a second listen through. And if it's this is the first time, please enjoy Not Lost in Translation. Tasha, Emily, Emily Zaiichi podcast. Ni nan bing. Lao da. Tasha lao da. Ni hao. Ni hao. Ni hao ma. Hao. The best, the worst, the first. 15 that the lithium market was showing signs of, of movement. Um, a lot of people were talking about EVs and the potential of EVs. This was in early 2015. As many members of the lithium community know, I did a crowdfund for a short film that I wrote and directed. And even a little bit about our culture too. Like I feel that's an important element to be sharing with, with people outside the company. And, and yes, that is a deliberate strategy. Um, You're listening to the Global Lithium Podcast. Good afternoon, Emily. Are you ready for another episode of the Global Lithium Podcast? I am absolutely ready for the first anniversary, 25th episode, special edition, first bilingual Global Lithium Podcast. I, Joe, am also ready. So I am Emily Hirsch. I am one half of the Global Lithium Podcasting team. I'm joined here back in Buenos Aires, where it all began, by one Mr. Joe Lowry. And today, we are welcoming two of my favorite lithium people in the universe, Mr. Lee Langbin, the chairman of Gangfen, and my buddy Wang Shaoshen, who is the vice chairman of Gangfen. So they uh, have honored us after 15 minutes ago meeting with the president of Argentina. Yeah, guys, welcome. I uh, I hope that this is keeping with the 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 ritzy glamour that goes with meeting a head of state. Welcome to the Global Lithium Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very nice to be ying, here. Ying. <laughs> how do you say Wanying? It's welcome. Wanying. How do you say to the Global Lithium Podcast? Global Lithium Podcast. Wanying Global Lithium Podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's get started. Right, let's do this. So we have the the heads of Ganfang Lithium, which is the definitely and easily the fastest growing lithium company in the world. Um, the lithium company that has gone from being, I think, uh, you know, fifteen years ago, 
uh, a name that was only probably known in China or in the, you know, the most um, knowledgeable lithium circles to what is and should be a, a household name in the industry today. Um, welcome. So let's have a, let's have a chat. Um, Mr. Wang, Xiao Shen, if I can. Uh, welcome to you can the, call me Xiao Shen. I, thank you, Xiao Shen. Um, so welcome to the Global Lithium Podcast. Um, can you please just sort of um, let our audience know a little bit about Ganfeng and sort of where where you and where Ganfeng came from, starting from, I guess, where the story should begin? Well, let's, let's do two things, because th- these are two of the most interesting histories in the lithium world. And Mr. Lee started Gangfen, but Xiao Shen started with the original lithium company in China, which was Xinjiang, non-ferrous. And so if we could just kind of hear a little bit about your history, and then we'll ask, Mr. you can translate for Mr. Lee, like the same question of how he came to start Gangfen, and, and we'll go from there. Shaoshan, where would you begin the story? Uh, I think maybe we can do timeline. Sort of timeline. Yeah, do great. Timeline. Yeah, great sort idea. Of timeline. Set okay. the stage. So you grew up in Xinjiang province? Yeah, I grew up in the Xinjiang province. I was born in Xinjiang, Wurumuchi. And uh, I, by, when my university was in Beijing, after university, in nine, it was uh, 1990, I joined the lithium industries by coincidence. I had no idea about the lithium before I joined the lithium company, because that time is a state-owned company, lithium, uh, Xinjiang Lithium Plant. That's what, that was my first job, that's in 1990. But actually, Mr. Lee joined the lithium industries two years earlier, in 1988. But uh, he was with uh, another state-owned lithium company in Jiangxi province. Okay. So this is where we began in the, with the lithium. So as, as I recall, Mr. Lee, when he graduated from college, he was assigned to work in a lithium company. Is that is that correct, or did I? Did I uh, actually, maybe you can ask Mr. Lee to talk a little bit yeah. about this. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, translate to your question. Uh,就的问题是，你当时大学毕业以后是被分配到你的工厂，还是你有这个选择自己？ Uh, 也有选择首先是学校可以分配分配的当时新钢和江西离场两个单位由我选我觉得我到江西离场来了前途会大一点为什么呢因为它的人少是有八百人我从八百人里面杀出来比较容易新钢有五万人我要杀出来可能不容易
<laughs> so it's 1988. He starts out, and then you enter the industry in the 90s. How did your stories intersect? Uh, that's a very interesting uh, history. Uh, my uh, jobs, most of the times, I'm in the commercial side. Uh, I did several years uh, for sales of product, lithium products, and also do the lithium marketing sales globally for the lithium plant until 2002, actually. At that time, uh, after 1998, we start to uh, distribute SQM's lithium carbonate. And when Mr. Lee started Gunfield Lithium, he needed the lithium carbonate as a feedstock to produce the chloride that produced metal. So he became my customer so that we how uh, to get to know each other. Oh, okay. So you, but that's a great part of the history too. So as I recall, when SQM was first starting and I was with FMC, we did the toll for carbonate, but you did the first big contract, I think maybe 3,000 tons or something like that. At uh, that time, yeah, it's uh, 3,000, at minimum 3,000 yeah. tons a year. But that was more than, I think, more than 15% of their total production. Yeah, and this was in... Nine, 1998. Yes, 19, starting 19, from 1998. 98. Yeah, so now we've got kind of multiple parties involved. Mr. Lee is in Jiangxi. He's now your customer. And gee, all this time I thought I told, you know, I didn't know he knew you before I talked to him about you in 2002. So Actually, uh, we knew yeah. uh, after, I think, uh, 2001, I think, something like that. 2000, 2001. So at, at that time when, when Mr. Lee, you know, this is a question to Mr. Lee, uh, and you know my Chinese is terrible, so I'll let you ask it for me. Um, when he was at the Jiangxi Lithium Company, and he looked, at, and he was sourcing from you, and I met him because he needed more more sourcing. But at the time, in say nineteen, when you did, he did the first deal with you, what size was Jiangxi Lithium's production in? in no, you mean, you mean you mean the Ganfen uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so now um from the beginnings almost twenty years ago, twenty tons. Now Gang Fund's capacity is uh, 60,000 at the end of the year, yeah, approximately. Yeah, capacity, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, by the end of this year. Yeah. And I have a question for Mr. Lee. Does Mr. Lee remember when he met Joe Lowry? Emily, uh, the question is, do you remember when you met Joe Lowry? In Beijing. In Beijing. I remember that day 我赶过去见他。我不要他记不记得,那天是中国的元宵节。Do <笑> uh, remember that was the Chinese yeah, 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 festival? Yeah. Uh, he came to Beijing to meet you. Yeah, I remember. It was a very interesting meeting. Uh, so from that beginning, and then the, the next time I met Mr. Lee was in Jiangxi, and you picked me up at the airport, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a... There's kind of a connection between uh, the, the, the three guys that goes back uh, 
almost 20 years. Many moons. And so let's let's sort of let's jump ahead before we jump back in time again. Let's talk about Argentina. Uh, how long has Ganfang been involved in projects in in Argentina in the country? Actually, we start to invest in the Argentina project indirectly since 2011. Okay, so yeah. seven years ago, and yeah. that's gone. I think a lot of, you know, you've gone from I guess a indirect investment to a very, you know, you just just came from meeting the president. Um, and how was that meeting? That's a great meeting. Yeah. Yeah, very uh, excellent, and so we were very impressive of the president Macri. That's good. So for context, um, gang fans come to Argentina this week. Uh, I had the pleasure of being with Mr. Lee and Mr. Wang in uh, Salta province and then Huhui province, the two of the projects they're involved with. Yesterday in Huhui, we met with the Secretary of Mining, the governor. We had a celebration for Gangfen's project at Kuchari. And then today, last night, we flew, flew back to Buenos Aires. And today, these guys meet the president of Argentina. The president didn't necessarily want to meet me, but, of course, he wanted to meet Gangfen. <laughs> This is kind of the growth story between 1998. They were buying, you know, Mr. Lee was sourcing 20,000 or 20 tons, not 20,000 tons. And now they've gone from that humble beginning to now being one of the top lithium companies in the world. And we'll get into a little bit about your belief of the future and where you're going. But now their capacity, it's 60,000 tons before we count their projects in Argentina. That's a so looking at I guess the growth of Ganfeng. Um, when did Ganfeng sort of break the top four, top five, top six lithium producers? When when in in the timeline did Ganfeng emerge as one of the names that if you're going to talk about lithium, you have to talk about Ganfeng? I think it's uh, if you look at Ganfeng's history uh, before 2010, we were mainly focused on the downstreams. Lithium mm -hmm. products, including lithium metal, uh, organic lithium, and also some uh, lithium specialties. After 2010, when we listed in Shenzhen Stock Exchange in China, and we started to invest in the upstreams, we want then we get involved in the battery grade lithium carbonate, lithium hydroxide. Two, several years later, hydroxide. So uh, we think we probably becoming top, let's say, four or five uh, after, after our hydroxide production in, into uh, production since 2013, 2014. Let's, let's talk a bit about Mr. Lee's kind of philosophy of how Gangfen developed, because I always thought it was a brilliant strategy that he went where everybody else didn't go. He went to the downstream where even the big three were kind of weak, you know, Albemarle never produced metal, FMC didn't produce enough metal for their own needs, and, and Gangfen grew their downstream business. Could you just ask Mr. Lee to tell us a little bit about how he decided how to approach the business going downstream first? And because this 
选择投资少、见效快的项目开始做。呃，你的下一个产品呢？呃，大部分呢就是一个一个阶段的操作，比如像孵化梨，它这个投资很少，它的利润还是比较高的，所以呢，完了比较适合创业，呃，容易起步。Because when Mr. Lee started his uh, own career, own uh, businesses, he, he, he didn't have money. So the money would be the very important factor to consider what to start with. And downstream products, because of the smaller volume, is uh, capex is much smaller. So this is the easier way to start with. I have a, just as a question on when did Mr. Lee and both of you as Ganfeng Realize that the lithium business was going to grow so fast. When was that moment when you were like, "Wow, this is not going to tick up a couple percent a year. This is going to be a ski slope or a massive hockey stick or a big curve." Maybe I translate first. Yeah. Translate so first and have stressful. a chat. It's yeah. look, it's calm. We well, all our, yeah. our listeners want to hear. We we have some Chinese fans, so this is going to be make it easy for the Chinese listeners. They they can listen in their own language, not uh, English. Yeah. Uh, Joe and Emily's question is: We are in what time did we realize that the lithium market would become a high-speed growth market? I think from when? It should be from the first year. 啊，上市以后呢，我们呢觉得开始要布局上游，呃，然后呢，我们对这个上游的布局呢，我们觉得是一个是很关键的，也是一个很重要的一个一个决策。这个影响到赣锋下一下一步的发展，尤其是后来电子级碳酸锂进入了这个行业以后，而且呢，这个行业又开始价格猛涨，而且销量猛增的情况下，呃，给赣锋带来有很多的发展机会。所以的话呢，我是觉得应该是在我们上市以后，我们呃，第一个我们有资本，那个如果没有资本，你也等于零。我们上市以后呢，融了钱，然后有钱呢，我们才能去投这个生产线。同时呢，我们又有一个融资平台，又可以去有更多的想法，我们可以通过这个融资平台来做。啊、呃，我觉得上市不仅仅是为了圈钱，更重要的是可以把这个事业做得更大啊。呃 Yeah, actually,、uh, if we have to look at this as two、uh, angles, one is when the market is is coming, another is when we are able to do it in the bigger scale.、Uh, Miss Lee, think、uh, after we've been listed in the stock exchange, we have the platform to get finance, so we are able to get money to support our expansion plan. So this is the、uh, basic conditions we have achieved. Then the market is starting. Uh, we believe that,、uh, especially after the smartphone started and it generated lots of demands, very fast growth for the lithium carbon at that time because smartphone normally the battery use lithium cobaltite, which is used lithium carbonate. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's the beginning of the fast growth of the lithium demands, and is from 2010.、Uh, we think、uh, the EV starting actually from 20. 13, 2014. By that time, still very small、uh, volumes for the EVs. For instance, the EV market. After 14, 15, the EV demand starting to grow much quicker. Let me let me ask you to to in in your answer and Mr. Lee's answer because you were partners、uh, by this time. But if you go back and I I don't remember if when Miss we met in Shanghai and and Mr. Lee took his calculator and typed in 3,200. 
and and put it up to my eyeballs and said, this has got to be the new chloride price or I'm going to bring brine in from, from SQM. And at the time you were paying me 6,000 a ton. And, and I said, I love you guys, but I can sell it to somebody else. And, and I, I didn't realize what a smart move that was at the time, because like many people, I thought, who's going to bring that solution across the Pacific? Who, who, who can do this? And Mr. Lee did it. And I, I just like to get his thinking on how, that decision, but then how did he decide in the future there was going to become a point where he was going to need his own resources? But at this time, he could still leverage SQM's excess, underflow, Buley brines, and other raw materials. So if he could just kind of talk about how he thought about when to make that move, when to break my heart by telling me my price needed to go down by 45%, (laughs) and how to go forward. Okay, let me translate your question first. Uh,就问题是当时呃应该是零零五年零四呃零六年零七年的时候呃当时你跟他讲就是卢化的价格要降到三千二要不然的话我们就用智利的SQM的卢水来做卢化里当时他的价格还在卖五千六千他说没办法
就就就就是一个很好的一个合作伙伴，呃，帮我们提高了很多，包括我们怎么来做年度计划呀，怎么都是从他身上学到的，呃，对我们来讲是也是我们应该感恩这个角色了，是、呃、嗯。Actually, we,、uh, as a government, think we should、uh, um, appreciate Joe Lowry's works in the past a lot. We also learned a lot from Joe. It's also how to do the business plan at that time when government was still young. Li Xuanzhen, thank you. Thank you. The chloride project worked, so you grew to almost twenty thousand tons of LCE without having your own resource. So at what point? I think you became in the top five without having before Mount Marion, before your own resource. So at what point in time did Mr. Lee decide that okay, Gang Fen to to the vision changed many times. I remember. I have your first PowerPoint you gave me to 2003, 2004, yeah, 2005. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I still have it.、Uh, I actually have it on a little drive here,、um, and I look at it quite often because it, it amazes me how many times the vision changed. You know, sm- strong Chinese producer, strong regional producer, and now you know now global powerhouse. Global powerhouse. So, just. Was the thinking way back in 2005 or 2006 that I have to, at some point, secure resources? I have to get the financing. So, can you just talk about how that evolved? Joe's question is: We've been working on our goals for a long time. In the early days, I remember giving him the goal of Ganfeng. 后来就成了地区性的领导者，现在我们已经成为全球的一个重要的锂的生产商。那我们这个策略的变化是在一个什么样的过程中？他就想了解一下，呃，怎么在怎么样去怎么在什么样情况下调整我们的这样的策略？我觉得，呃，纵观赣锋这个呃十几年的发展来讲，呃，其实最重要的一个原则呢是顺应自然发展的原则。我觉得这个。也就相当于很多人问这个松下，这个你觉得企业能发展到这么大是怎么怎么才能创造成这么大？其实当时松下就讲一个顺应自然发展的原则，我觉得这个呢对干部来讲也是这样的。其实我们在发展的过程中，这几年我们的目标，无论是什么时候设定的目标，都是一步一步的，并不没有一个说我哪一年我一定要搞到。其实现在我们要讲一个二十万吨，那还是。比较容易实现的一个目标，并没有讲一些空虚无缥缈的目目标，是所以的话呢，我觉得我们这些都都是能落地的一个目标，所以的话呢，在一步一步通过这个努力能实现的，所以的话呢，我是觉得哈，我们这个目标还是基于这个，所以能能逐渐逐渐能实现这个目标，然后呢，不断的做些一些调整，因为我们很快就超越了呃像 FMC。啊，甚至未来我们还会超越 SKM， 还甚至还会超越超过雅宝。那么就是在这个不断的努力过程中，你超越了，你可能目标要做些调整啊。所以的话呢，我都觉得是这样一个逐步逐步的完成，呃，实践一个完成的过程啊。Yeah, I think there's a one principle unchanged, which which is step by step. 
So in the every steps, we set up this strategy or target, which is we can is achievable, not too high to to achieve. So this is the reason why we becoming today. But also we when we becoming bigger, we have to adjust our strategy accordingly, from time to time. So that's uh, just to follow follow the nature. Yeah, I I just like to develop the story a little more as to how both of you thought about. I mean, at first, you had to be friends. With, you were friends with everybody. I mean, unlike the rest of the industry, who kind of there were battles between rivals. Gangfin was close to SQM. You had a great relationship with the, the Felipe Anguita going back that far. Um, you had a good relationship with Rockwood. He he was running. Uh, he actually had more than SQM, uh, and you were friends with me. You were both friends with me. You were friends with everybody. You you did business with everybody. Just like some thoughts about that whole strategy of. And one more question: Every all the big three at one point tried to buy Gangfen, and I always believed that. Mr. Lee considered Gangfen his baby, and he would never sell his baby. But I just wonder if he was ever tempted to actually sell the company. So let's take those. Let's take those two questions one at a time. As someone who's translated uh, before, let's first talk about what it was or what the strategy was of talking to everyone, and then let's talk about the you know the baby question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh... 他们俩的问题是我们那个时候跟所有的公司关系都很好 Joe的观点是认为，干峰是李总自己创业出来的，就像自己的孩子一样，是不是不会舍得去卖掉的？那那时候为什么会愿意跟他们去谈这个并购的事情？呃，大概是两个问题。呃，其实就像谈这个并购
2004, when Mr. Lee first visited SQM, and on the on the flight, he think that he wants to do something seriously with SQM. So he wants to propose to give 25% of Ganfen share to SQM for free to get the support of the raw material supply. And uh, he's, uh, at that time, the, as uh, Shen Huaiguo, he's, he was yeah, the representative of SQM yes. in China, uh, said 25 may be too much. <laughs> 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 then he comes to the proposal for 15%. And uh, SQM did, I remember that time, SQM did due diligence. Uh, after the completed due diligence, he, they quit. They, they uh, didn't want any share of the government at that time, 2004. And 2006, uh, SQM come back. And at that time, they want to make investment, pay the money for the, for the share. I, re I remember. Just, just I two remember, years, yeah, yeah. two yeah. years later. I didn't know about later. 2004 and the 25 percent, but I knew about 2006. So, and every time when we, at that time, uh, when we discussed with FMC or Raku or SQM, at that time because Gunfun was a small company, we need to have a strong support for the raw material supply. So we were serious to discuss the cooperation with uh, all three big three companies at that time. So, uh, but in the end. Uh, we didn't just it didn't work out. Sometimes because the difference on the valuation, sometimes maybe the in, in the end becoming the different uh, directions becoming different. Do does Mr. Lee feel or or do you feel that in the end he saw the future clearer than maybe the people who wanted to purchase the asset, and that he never could. He, his belief in himself and in the future was so strong that there was never going to be an offer that he could accept. He never, he never could let somebody adopt his baby. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a, uh, as you said, it's, a, it's, a, it's real. It's a, like a baby. We, we created and we developed this, uh, this baby. And so we would not be easy to give it up. So we want, if we think we have a chance to make it bigger, make it stronger, Without being bought by somebody else, we would like to do that. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. So now your baby's Yao Ming, <laughs> and Yao Ming is a Chinese <laughs> basketball player. Yeah, in he the played NBA. in the NBA. He's like the man in China. Yao Ming with a three-pointer, his first three-pointer of the season. He's shooting a hundred percent. One for one for the Great Wall. So now your baby's Yao Ming, and you have to decide you need to have your own assets. And so now you've taken a path where, as far as I can see, and from traveling with you these last couple of days and from what you've done in Australia, you have probably the biggest diversity of raw material supply of, of any player. I just kind of like, I mean, even last week you just did a deal with Altura, which was a surprise to pretty much everybody. <laughs> and just if you could just talk about how you've gotten from, you know, doing a brine deal with SQM to having your fingers in so many different pies, as we would say in English. Okay. So, so, Chen 
呃，那我们是呃是怎么来考虑的？嗯，呃，我觉得刚才他讲的那个问题我还没回答，就是说、呃、我们跟三家关系都不错。其实这个在企业发展的过程中呢，肯定要依附一些大的企业，就是靠强靠大嘛，靠强靠大，你就可以自身就很好的发展。所以的话呢，当时 FMC 雅宝还不是那个叫叫 Logo 的啊、呃，呃，还有 SKM。他们这几家的都比较大，就是哪一家帮助赣锋的话呢，那都对赣锋来讲是一个很好的一个发展。所以的话呢，我们就在依依附于这个这个呃这三家，然后把这个三家关系都处理得非常好，所以这个赣锋能很好的发展。那现在呢，赣锋呢已经变成比较比较强大了。你不可能再依附于在任何一家的这个基础上，比如像 S K S K M， 你你你给我一点资源，他也不会给你，对吧？所以现在是很难的。但是呢，我们呢现在呢是要考虑自己的怎么独立发展，能变成更加强大啊。但是呢，这个这个强大呢，就是要求要求讲的内涵的，而并不是说像 S K M， 比如像天齐买 S K M 的股票，我我突然买了它百分之。二十几的股份，我那我就变成大了。那个我觉得这个不是的，那是必须要通过一步一步的努力，通过一步一步的去做。然后呢，我们在产业化方面，我们的能力确实做得很强了，嗯，那我们才能当之无愧是比较大了。所以我们的做法呢，跟天启的做法肯定会不一样。我相信我们在未来的，呃，干风很长的一段发展的过程中呢，我们都要通过这样的去做。才行，就是要一步一步的通过练内功，把自己的实力，呃，这个无论是制造能力还是在矿山的拥有能力方面，我们都要要做成全球是呃一具有很强发言权的一个公司啊。嗯。呃、uh, ，first back to your previous questions about、uh, how we get along with all three big companies, and、uh, at that time we think every every、uh, any one of these three big companies. Could give us support, so we have a good relationship with everyone, and also we think、uh, in the business、uh, world, especially myself, I think we is we I don't want to call the competitors. I will always say the competitive partners. Actually, you are in the same industries. Actually, becoming partner of the industries. It's not you are not only the competitors to other the, the producers. Actually, also the partners. So we we still keep business relationship today. Even today, we have business relationship with SQM,、uh, FMC. Of course, we're still doing some business with FMC and also Albemarle. Yeah, I th- I think that that's what's differentiated you, as. Both, both of you, but in particular, since you represent Gangfen to the outside world more, more so、uh, than than Mr. Lee does, just because of you know the language skills and your your prior relationships. That you know, I think you've leverage sounds like too too planned, but I, I think I think what's happened is your natural relationships have leveraged into you know. Part of what's become Gangfen today, and now that everybody has to look at you a little bit as maybe Gangfen. We we liked Gangfen when Gangfen was small and bought some product from us and supplied some product. But now I, I think you have to deal with the fact that there's some concern about Gangfen's too big. <laughs> 
just any comments about how when you become this this large and this successful, how things change and relationships might change. Yeah, maybe uh, yeah. finish the first sure. uh, questions yeah. about the, uh, the previous question about our strategy for diversified resource sure. plan. Um, actually, one as you said, one government becoming like the size of Yao Ming, and no one can so give enough so that's the strategy. That's the planned strategy. We need to be become independent because we're much bigger than than the ten years ago or fifteen years ago. So we we decide to, but also we like to do step by step, and we like to develop more through organic growth, not just the buying somebody else. So this is will still be our main strategies for the future to to continue to grow organically. We want to talk about the vision for Ganfeng. Where is the future of Ganfeng? But before we talk about the future. Um, I'd like to hear both of your context on the present. Um, currently, the world likes to, the Western world likes to view China as one actor. Um, and I wanted to get both of your um, reactions to, you know, how the world, how the people who who don't spend time in China, who don't know China personally. Um, should should look at China. You know what should we, you know, five things or you know Reader's Digest, the short version of how to not be an idiot when talking <laughs> about China, um, and then both of your personal experiences of how you've sort of seen China change over the last you know ten years, especially when it comes to addressing climate change and you know green energy and sort of the 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 sector we kind of fit in so first i'd love to just sort of like what are the dumbest things you hear people say about china and 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 help help our listeners help me understand how i should be looking at china what should i be paying attention to and and looking at I think you should come to china more often <laughs> <laughs> no but give me a little give me a little more you know, it's it's an easy headline grab these days to say, oh, China. I think everything, you look at everything, you should not just use black and white. It's, a, it's a more colors. And even, for instance, same as if you look at what, how to look at China. It's more colors. So it's not just black or white. I think China is developing from the old days, from the poor country, now becoming richer. So there's a some people couldn't understand. Even some Chinese people don't understand uh, ourselves. So I think this is the very interesting question, is how to look at China. I think you have to look at history. Look at where they came from. Then maybe you can understand more why China is today. What do you see as the biggest misconceptions about China abroad? I think... Uh, Maybe for the Western countries or Western peoples, some of them maybe just uh, look at too uh, simply. I think you should look at more 
more uh, areas, more aspects, not only one side, because I don't want to talk the political things. Yes, it's sure, not sure. our no, business. No, no, right. no, no, exactly. But uh, but I think China is uh, growing as a country is growing, is improving, is growing, as we've seen in the last uh, 40 years after the China becoming open to the world. I well, think openness is very important. That makes China becoming today. Both you and Mr. Li kind of represent symbols of how China's changed. I mean, you both come from, you know, the long history of starting in a humble place in the lithium industry. Now you're both very successful. So I'd like to know how, how Mr. Lee thinks about it because you have two different experiences when you've, you've spent so much time traveling around the world in the last few months. And, you know, Mr. Lee is, is getting, is a very smart guy. I think he understands more English than he lets on, but he, he has a different lens as somebody who's totally fluent in English and I just like to get his thoughts on all this travel he's done. He's been exposed outside of China a lot lately. So, how is he thinking about how gang fence perceived and how Chinese people are perceived from his from his window? <笑>那你觉得外国人是怎么看干风呃怎么看中国是从你的角度来看嗯这个话题的不是很好回答呃我觉得哈就是干风给人家一个什么样的印象是吧呃我觉得干风应该是一个做实事的一个公司应该就是
last sort of, when we look at the vision for Ganfeng, I wanted to get Mr. Lee's thoughts on the solid state battery market, given your strength in the lithium chloride space. When do you think solid state batteries are going to really hit the the market in a big way? And how does Ganfeng see its position in that market, or in the chloride market? Chloride metal.呃，麦米，想问一下，我们在固态电池这一块，我们是未来是怎么规划，或者怎么来看待这个事情？那对我们的固态电池最终是要用到金属锂。那固态电池什么时候可以呃商业化？嗯，呃，固态电池是商业化
Nothing changed after that. The lawyers got involved. <clears throat> Paperwork always takes time. But when you're dealing with people whose word is their bond, man, you can you can build a great partnership. It could... Uh, thanks for that, Tom. Could we hear gang friends kind of... So what do you think about this guy over here? Yeah. What do you think about Tom What do you think about, you think about those black guys and uh, getting Mr. Lee's... Junta 在这个起步阶段 Yeah, we also feel the team of uh, This America is very practical and they were focused on the target with the, uh, for many years and bring this project in real and also the Nevada project as well. So we believe the company like this and team like this should have been as successful. Could we get yours and Mr. Lee's thoughts? And we're in Argentina, but I'd like to talk a little bit about clay or as we call it, soft, soft rock. rock. <laughs> Um, and what Mr. Lee thinks about the development of the clay clay asset in Nevada in particular and in, in just in general. Joe,问我们怎么看年土的项目或者是具体想去内化达这个项目。年土这个项目呢,我们觉得开始我对这个项目呢不太感兴趣。后来我发现通过这个做试验发现这个收率还是很高的所以我们就引起了高度重视也投入了一些精力来做这一块我觉得这个项目还是非常有潜力可能对于以后矿石体力是一个很好的一个补充矿石体力如果这个项目上去以后
Okay. Well, you know, this has been a unique opportunity. We really want to thank both of you guys for, for doing this, for coming to the podcast. And um, it's a little, this is the first time we've had a bilingual uh, podcast. So, shishini. But we end the podcast with a section, and I'm not sure if this section is going to translate, but I'm going to try. So we have what we call rapid-fire questions. We're just going to ask one, and it has nothing to do with lithium necessarily, but if you and Mr. Lee, knowing what you know now, could make a phone call to yourself on the day you graduated from college... What advice would you give yourself? Very good question. This question is: If now, imagine now, you want to give yourself advice when you graduated high school. What would you say to yourself? When I graduated high school, you go back. 多少年以前，你大学刚毕业的时候，你现在要给你大学刚毕业时的时候的你打一个电话，那你会给那个时候的你说什么？这个问题。OK， 等一下，等一下 ，You answer first, then 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 Li Shenzhen can answer. I think if I call myself to after、uh, right after. Graduations from university, I would tell myself I should spend more time on what we are doing to learn more what we are doing. So more study, more study. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, Mr. Li, Ifeng, you are Shangfan. This question, what? 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 打电话，那个时候的我打电话，我会说要多学点东西。你对你现在所做的事情，你要去多学，多去了解，做更多的功课。这个这个反正是虚拟的一个假设嘛，是吧？是我觉得哈，我我觉得就是说，可能会这样说。那么其实，旅行业也是一个很有发展前景的一个行业。我们可能在这个行业里面的努力，也是可以实现一个很大的一个目标的。Uh, he probably would tell the young guy at that time that the lithium industry has a big potential. <laughs> <laughs> Buy more shares.、Uh, all right. So you know, this has you know, we we really had a lot of lot more things we'd like to talk about, but we, you know, we have limited time on the podcast. So Emily and I are going to ask you guys if we can do this again in China later in the year because we'd really like to talk more deeply. And bring the gang fence story、uh, to more people. I want to in the year before in China to do a show in China. Ah, ah, ah. Can you? You this in China. What's the one phrase in Chinese I need to learn before that podcast? Hmm. Su suo la. Xi xiu jian zai na li. Xi xiu jian zai na li. That's very important. <laughs> you should you should know how to speak that. That's when I in Argentina first thing I have to learn is where's the banyu. Don't be a style banyu. The banyu. 
Okay, other than going to the toilet, what would be one good expression Emily Emily should learn? Uh, it's a difficult question for me. <laughs> okay, all right. So we, yeah. we, we'll just we'll, we'll wait we until can... we're in China and you can tell yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. That's time. It's that time to tell you. <laughs> okay, so we just want to 非常高兴谢谢你. Thank you very much for for being with us and taking the time. We know. You know, an hour and a few minutes ago, you were the president of Argentina, and now you're stuck here with us. So it's 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 been very kind of you to spend time with us. So thank you. This has been another episode of the Global Latin Podcast, recorded in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And um, we've been with the leadership of Ganfeng Lithium, uh, Li Lan Bing, and Wang Shaoshen. Thank you both very much for joining myself and Joe Lowry today. And thank you for our special cameo appearance guest, Tom Hodgson, Tom Hodgson. From the chairman of Lithium Americas. And Joe, if our guests want more of the Global Lithium Podcast, where do they have to surf the web to uh, to to make that a reality? Well, I'd tell them to go to the Gangfen Lithium website. But uh, if they don't want to do that, then they can go to at Global Lithium on Twitter, or they can find me on LinkedIn, and they can find you. I'm at Lithium Podcast. I'm Emily Hirsch on LinkedIn, and we are at www.lithiumpodcast.com. The Global Lithium Podcast is on iTunes, other apps, Spotify, Spotify. YouTube, so, Basically anywhere. As we normally close the Lithium Podcast with good night and good luck. Thank you. This has been the Global Lithium Podcast with co-hosts Joe Lowry and Emily Hirsch. The podcast is edited by Elena Peach and produced by Joe, Emily, and Elena. You can find more episodes of the podcast at lithiumpodcast.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Joe or Emily, or a suggestion for a future episode topic, please send an email to globallithiumpodcast at gmail.com.